Welcome back to Algiers, Louisiana, part of New Orleans, podcast studios, where we bring to you live and direct and directly live, Tom Douglas. Thank you, Mr. Announcer. Once again, a terrific job. All right, what's going on in the world today? Well, same, pretty much same, same. You know, we got the virus situation, which is not getting better, it seems like. It's getting worse, but, you know, I think we kind of be expected that it was going to spike with the opening up, and we could not live with the shutdown that was going on. And I think now we're just learning to try and live with it, you know, without shutting down the economy completely. People are just trying to learn, and we've got it's a learning process. And hopefully we don't have to learn for too long and that a solution as far as vaccines and uh, treatments improve and science kicks in a little bit better than it has, um, we'll be all right. You know, we'll be all right. We still got to stay safe. But I think people not necessarily comfortable with the way we are living, but have accepted it and are more mindful that I do see a lot of people wearing masks. There are some people who just do not want to be told what to do, and they're not wearing masks. Well, they're not society conscious. But, like I said, we learn to live with those people. So the end is coming. It is closer than it was yesterday. Believe me. Everybody's working hard towards it. Trust. Trust your podcasts. Now let's talk about the uh, civil unrest going on around us, the country. This black versus white which they're trying to make it come to be. Uh, I want to start off by quoting this guy. Mr. Walter Williams is a journalist, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, and you can search him, Walter Williams. Uh, he's a economic economy specialist professor at George Mason University. The uh, podcast person is not very well at pronunciation, so bear with me. Anyway, in this article he wrote about a week ago, this is what he puts. Often overlooked or ignored is the fact that as a group, black Americans have made the greatest gains than any other racial group in history. For example, if one totaled up the earnings and spending of black Americans and considered us a separate nation with our own gross domestic product, we would rank well within the top 20 richest nations. And he goes on to state about how uh, different individuals have really succeeded in life. Colin Powell, uh, Ophelia Winfrey, uh, David Stewart, uh, Investor Robert F. Smith, Michael Jordan, uh, Barack Obama. You know, these are all black people who have made it in life. And I said, the significance of these achievements cannot be overstated. When the Civil War ended, neither a slave nor a slave owner would have believed such progress would be possible in less than a century and a half, if ever. You know, he states, the issue that confronts us is how these gains can be extended to about one quarter of the black population for whom they have proven elusive. So what I think Mr. Williams is trying to say 
is the system has been working and it's been working pretty good. And it's not only the system, it is the fortitude of the African-American person who is inspired and moved up the social ladder and improved their life tremendously coming from nowhere in this short of time. And, you know, this is what he's saying. Is, is the, he says right after that, he says, the first step to acknowledge that the civil rights struggle is over and won. You know, I guess he's, he's trying to say, quit, quit crying and look and you're doing it. Those who do try and want to succeed are making it in our system. There's inequalities, yes, but they are making it. He writes, a major problem is that some public and private policies reward dependency and irresponsibility. Chief among these policies is the welfare state that has fostered a 75% rate of out of wedlock births and decimated the back family that had survived Jim Crow and racism. So the system is working. It needs tweaking. It needs to be adjusted. In his opinion, this, this is making it too easy for the black or the minority not to succeed or not to try to succeed. You know, uh, Mr. Williams ends this article pretty much by saying government should do its job of protecting constitutional rights. After that, black people should be simply left alone as opposed to being smothered by the paternalism inspired by white guilt. So that was his article at Mr. Williams, who is a black person, black professor, points out, he made some good points, in my opinion, that uh, the system does work. And the black American has moved up the social ladder, has improved his lot. And there is um, more to be done. And that, that the Black Lives Matter is trying to make the white society part feel guilty, they shouldn't. Maybe they should change some things, but don't feel guilty about how it's been handled up to this point. You know, my, um, which leads me to what is the movement about? Is it a movement about being equality or being privileged? You know, where where's the equality? If you want equal treatment or do you want to be treated privileged? You know, if that's where you're going, you can't. The, the, the one example is the NFL uh, wants to play the Black National Anthem, which I don't think mo the majority of populists knew there was one. But if by playing that or saying we're playing the Black National Anthem, are you stating I'm making them equal by letting them play the Black National Anthem so therefore the Star Spangled Banner is the white national anthem. So that's how we make them equal? By making it divisive? Huh? The Star Spangled Banner is about a nation coming together, fighting an oppressive government. And how we, we staying together and we fought a battle for equality. You know, but for a nation 
not a specific a nation that is built with immigrants. Immigrants, as I stated once before, the immigrants come over here, they want to be part of America, they want to, they want to seize the opportunities that America offers, but they also want to keep their culture. They want to keep part of their heritage. And they're allowed to. There's nobody oppressing anybody for being who they are, where they came from. You know, that's what make America America. All these different cultures coming together to be Americans. But we're also a little bit different from the other Americans. And we want to celebrate that and embrace that. And we're allowed to. We're allowed to have St. Patrick's Day. We're allowed to have Juneteenth. We're allowed to have Cinco de Mayo. I think that's a farce, but I don't think the Mexicans really uh, created that. But, I mean, you get my point. That's what America is. That's what immigration is. And that's what made America, America. Now, if you're going to... If, do you need to promote individual origins on a national platform to make them all equal? Do you? You know, when's that going to stop? You're America first. You're American first. If there's inequalities, injustices, yes, there is for everybody. And yes, they need to be addressed. You know. Now, we keep staring down defacing statues. Well, that's, that's, got, that's working, huh? Well, that really changed things, you know? <laughs> I mean, it got to the point to where all you're looking at is trying to find something bad that that, that, that person or something represents, you know? That's all you're looking for. There's nobody looking for good in people. There's no more looking for that Thomas Jefferson and George Washington was, was brave and pioneers. No. They own slaves. Can I judge them for that? Oh, right, right now, if they, they own slaves, yeah. They say, man, that's, a, that's ridiculous, terrible. I'm not going to judge them back then. I can't judge anybody back then. You know? So I, I just found that, I mean, they tore down Sophie B. Wright because she's a, member of the United Daughters of Confederacy. I'm sure she was a member of everything. Of the uh, Daughters of 1812, Daughters of American Revolution. She's probably a very community-oriented person. And I had relatives fight, supposedly, on the Confederate side. I'm from Louisiana. Now, but they fought for it now. And slavery was a bad thing. I can say that. Back then, I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, they were very prideful people, uh, and they fought for their, their states and their land. You know, I admired them for that. I mean, that, they put up their lives. Uh, 90% of the people who fought in the, for the Confederacy were not slave owners. You know, they, they, the idea of the states' rights, it, that's, that's true. Now, slavery was a forefront of the problem and the issue. If they didn't have slavery, would they fought for state rights anyway? I don't know. Maybe... They should have used the techniques of today, going, okay, give up slavery and the government's going to throw money at you. Ex-slaves are going to throw money at you and educate you. You know, and this is how it should have, you know, maybe in today's world that's what it happened. But it didn't. And we can't judge people for their past histories. I can't. If you don't like them, you don't like them. If what one little thing did overshadows the other thing, then that, that's your problem. You know, should we glorify them? 
Some cases not. Some cases, yeah. I mean, some they glorify the generals that promoted it. Maybe not. So if it be right, come on now. Thomas Jefferson, come on now. Christopher Columbus, come on. Just slow down. My biggest problem is that now being white is bad. Uh, and I guess that's what the Black Lives Matter want to do is now I see how you feel. And I, I didn't like it when it was done to, you know, to the black community. I don't like it if it's being done to the white community or anybody community. You know, and the problem is it's not, it's being done by the journalists and the, uh, the press. Example. Uh, last week I was watching show 60 Minutes, which is not one of my favorite shows, but there's no football on. So 60 Minutes... Always presents a problem, an issue, but they never really get both sides of it. Fair, fair dealings. That's why I don't like it. But anyway, this 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 particular uh, scene was uh, about Flint, Michigan. Now, Flint, Michigan, years ago, the city council decided to start using water from the river instead of the lake because it would save them money. Now, when they started using water from the river, it created lead poisoning, created problems, people getting sick, people dying. Uh, another issue, as a matter of fact, the car manufacturing plant there uh, didn't want to use it because it was destroying their their equipment, and they went back to using the lake. Now, that should have been a red flag right there. Anyway, they changed it, and the story is about how they changed it and uh, how the people still don't trust it. Now, they still use the bottled water to do their cooking, their brushing their teeth, and um, they don't trust the, the government saying that they fix the problem or not. So this woman journalist, white woman journalist, if you want to say that, is interviewing this black mother, and they showed her the home, you know, how they live. And she's interviewing her, and she says this. If this was a rich white neighborhood, would this have happened? Now, I should have mentioned that Flint, Michigan is 52% black. So it's 48% what? Yeah, maybe white. So she's asking this question just to drive a wedge again between white and black, in my opinion. You know, how can you ask that question? You know, you don't have the full story. Well, what about going to forty other forty eight percent neighborhood and see how they living, or what they doing, and then then, you know. But no, they want to make it a black and white issue, and I'm tired of it. Another problem, another one was uh, I just saw you saw the one about the cop groping a woman. It's like a white cop pulls over a woman to arrest her. She wants a white woman cop to frisk her. There's none, so the cop does the procedure. That they trained to do, he rubs his forearm, as an open palm, rubs his forearm underneath her breast to check for weapons. My opinion, that's groping. I wouldn't want my wife or my daughters be treated like that. But that is the protocol that is called for, and he followed according to this this doc this series this uh, story. You know, um, my problem. It's not that. My problem is the caption to the story says, white cop groups woman. You know, not 
cop in such such town. Gropes woman, not motorcycle police officer. Gropes woman, white cop. They, they, they're just trying to make this, just, this rhetoric is just getting to out of hand and it's creating problems. I mean, what's going to happen? You know, is it, we're going to have another civil war? No, we're not going to have another civil war. But we'll continue to have riots? Yes, you keep flaming. You keep getting the flames whipped up. It, it, it's going to happen. You know, we need to, we need to stop this 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 divisive attitude, and the press is part of it. So how yeah, you stop it? I I don't I don't know I don't know. I don't know. Maybe stop uh, accepting it. Maybe start writing letters to the editors, or maybe exposing this podcast or other podcasts that you agree with. Or talk to your neighbors and friends or people on the street and say, hey, you know, I don't feel the way that's being promoted on the national scene through these newspaper articles and the commentaries that's being out there. So, this enlightened you great. It gave you food for thought even better. Hang in there. I know it looks like the world's going to crapper. But because of you and me, it will not. Because of you and me, we will survive and we will overcome the idiots out there. Just saying. <laughs>